Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again um, with my good friend, Neil Knight. Uh, brother, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Um, we are excited uh, to be with you today. We're going to be talking about the book of Galatians, the entire book, one through six. Um, and uh, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think this episode comes out right before General Conference uh, is the the following week. Uh, I think so. Of that. So uh, we're excited for conference coming this week, and and we will actually record the episode following conference. Uh, before conference, so we probably won't have much to say about conference, but uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're excited to to be having conference coming up, and so maybe if if that uh, bounces into our minds as we're prepping for conference, that might be a way to tie into this. But but brother Knight, welcome back. Uh, good to have you. Uh, anything new in your life you want to share before we before we jump in? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've got old parents. And and they're wonderful, lovely, faithful people, and and uh, there are are challenges that come <laughs> in caring for older yeah, parents. Sure. that's kind of the new thing in my life uh, lately. Yeah. So, well, I get that. Uh, it can be hard, uh, but but uh, it's it's been humbling to watch you uh, care for your for your parents in their oh. ailing years, but. Uh, yeah, thank you. We're, we're, you're teaching a couple of adaptive needs classes right now too, is that right? I have one yeah. in seminary. Yeah. 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 Which is tender. Tender and and, <laughs> and sometimes challenging and it's totally different than anything I do in an oh, institute. Sure. So yeah, I can imagine. It's kind of fun. Oh, that's good. Well good. Well it's good to have you in and I think uh, We'll just jump right in. We're into the book of Galatians. Maybe there's some context that would be helpful for us. We're finally out of Corinthians, and we know that the Corinthians uh, were struggling with some things, and so Paul was writing letters to maybe recorrect and redirect uh, their uh, efforts there. And so teach us about Galatians. What was going on here, and, and what's the context there? Same kind of thing. Okay. I mean, not, not necessarily the same issues, but sure. uh, he, he focuses on one main issue here. Corinthians, there were a number of different things. Uh -huh. But uh, it just uh, you know, a plug for one of my favorite topics of the restored gospel is the apostasy yeah. of the early church, yeah. and, and these letters are just uh, cumulatively good evidence that there were some real issues, some yeah. real challenges in the church, more caused by things in the church than anything outside of the church. Right, yeah. And so he's he's writing these letters to correct things, to call uh, to call people to repentance and. Yeah. And Galatians um, is is that yeah. too, but it's it's really kind of focused. Um, just a, a little historical setting for Galatians: uh, the place. Mm -hmm. um, it's not you know a city like Corinth or Rome. Mm. It's uh, it's a, a region, a province of uh, Rome, in what we now call Turkey. Okay. And um, 
something that is not at all important, but just kind of fun. The, the term Galatia in, in uh, Greek is equal to roughly the equivalent of Gaul, mm. G-A-U-L, okay. which is what we would now call France. Oh, okay. And uh, so 300 plus years before Paul was writing this, there was a migration mm. of, you know, pre-French people over to what we now call Turkey. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so that's the Galatians, and, and it's to a region. He's not writing to one city. Okay. In fact, he says in verse 2 that he was writing unto the churches of Galatia, Galatia. Yeah, okay. where he had served a, 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 you know, a, a mission once or twice, different mm -hmm. places, uh, and probably this was written on his, his third mission. Um, there's some disagreement among scholars that we don't need to get into on the dating of it because it's not that important. But, sure. um, but he's, he's writing to them because of the Judaizers. Sure. We've, we've heard of them before, talked about them before. Mm -hmm. Jewish Christians that can't let go. And I, I'm not saying that in a critical condemning way. Yeah. 1,500 years of this is the way it is. Yeah. and. Early in Christianity, they didn't consider themselves Christians. They were Jews. Mm. They were Jews, and they, the Messiah had come. Yeah. And so, you know, why give up this stuff? They didn't quite get it. Mosaic law kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so if you want to be a, a Christian, according to, you know, these Jewish Christians, you had to become a Jew. Mm -hmm. You had to live the law of Moses. Men had to be circumcised. Mm. And, and that's happening in Galatia. Mm. Uh, so if we can just get right in, chapter yeah. 1. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, he introduces, uh, uh, the Institute Manual points out that he usually has something nice to say right. to the <laughs> people he's writing. He just gets right to the point. Yeah. He introduces and mentions, you know, Christ and, and what Christ has done for us. And then verse 6, bam, he's right there. Yeah. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And this other gospel... Um, he says, verse 7, it's, it's really not another, but there are some who trouble you and would pervert yeah. the gospel. And, uh, and so the Judaizers have come in after he's been there, and they start trying to say, you've got to live the law of Moses. Yeah. And this is, of course, troubling, especially to the, uh, the Gentiles. Um, and he says, and this is how strongly he feels about what he's taught them in verse 8, but though we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Mm. Not, even if I were to come back and say something different, disregard yeah. that. Yeah. What you were told is and, doctrine. And, yeah, and if it's an angel from heaven, disregard because that's not going to be an angel from heaven. And if any other man preach a gospel than what you've received, let him be accursed. Mm. Um, and then... He, he kind of talks about his, uh, his credibility. Um, you know, he, his conversion story. He says, everybody knows about my conversion story. Yeah. And uh, verse 14, um, I profited. The footnote says, I was advancing um, beyond, you know, other men my age. And uh, he says... Uh, I, you know, I was, I was outstanding. I was more zealous than, than most people. And, uh, you know, I was big time in that faith. But, uh, you know, Christ has called me. He has, you know, yeah. made me something different. 
to do this. And he said, I, my, my knowledge came from God. Yeah. And, and then he also has the endorsement of uh, the, the church leader. So that's kind of his, his deal is, um, you know, you, you, you're being tempted to be led astray by these people and, and these false teachings from within the church. Yeah. Interesting how often that can happen yeah. when, when the opposition comes within the church. But he says, don't, uh, don't let anybody change the, the pure, simple principles of the gospel. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I think 14, as you touched on, I, I profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equal in mine own nation, being a Roman, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. I mean, he was like in it, Yeah. right? Um, but, verse 15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And uh, I, think, I think maybe there's a lesson there for us that, you know, once I think we're, we're given some spiritual insight um, and we have a testimony or a faith in anything given to us by God or the Spirit, um, I think immediately it should cause changes in us. Yeah. Um, I think about young adults in the world they live in today and, and uh, how, f how frequently I think they're taught. We, we're taught by the Spirit certain things and, and sometimes that change is slow. Even though I was taught quickly, I'm, I'm slow to change it and slow to, to believe that, that new faith. And, and I think Paul is a perfect example of immediately uh, not conferring with the flesh of, of man anymore and just turning quickly to go and to preach what he's learned. Yeah. Um, Elder Anderson, Neil A. Anderson, um, said in a BYU speech, he said, the iron rod is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it in this way. The Word of God contains three very strong elements that intertwine and sustain one another to form an immovable rod. Mm -hmm. And we can see at least two of these elements in, in what Paul is saying here, maybe three. These three elements include first, the scriptures, or the words of the ancient prophets. Mm -hmm. That's, that is the maybe here in terms of his role as a Christian. He was deeply grounded in the scriptures yeah. that the Jews had. Right. It, 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 he was beyond others in, in his study and his uh, is acting upon what he understood the scriptures to say. Exceedingly zealous, he yeah, said, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, he it was accepting, had been taught, and, and had accepted some false things, but when he knew, yeah. can't snap my yeah. fingers very well anymore. <laughs> On the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> snap sound, here. <laughs> um, but the second one, the second element of the Word of God is the personal revelation and inspiration that comes to us through the Holy Ghost, says Elder Anderson. And he had that, uh, first of all, starting face-to-face -face yeah. with Christ. Right. But then he goes um, you know, into Arabia. We don't know much about where exactly that was and right. exactly what he did there, but was there for um, about th three years. Yeah, this, um, is, this is him describing his journeys yeah. a little bit here, 17 to 24 in verse yeah. chapter 1, right? Yeah, and so he, you know, he's got the, the personal revelation, I was taught of God. Yeah. And the third element, a critical addition, intertwining with the other two represents the words of the living prophets. Mm. And so, in um, mm. verse 18, after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter 
and I was there for 15 days. The only other apostle, verse 19, was James, the Lord's brother. Uh, by this time, this is not James the apostle, because he was martyred way back sure. earlier in, right. in uh, uh, well, in terms of how we read the New Testament, way back in mm -hmm. Acts. Mm -hmm. um, and James, the Lord's brother, has uh, seems to have gotten a role of, uh, of uh, responsibility and authority mm -hmm. in the local church in Jerusalem. Sure. So, you know, uh, Paul has those things, and he's talking to them. Uh, I, I think he's teaching, here's how you avoid yeah. being deceived. Yeah. You have the scriptures. You have a knowledge of the scriptures. Yeah. You have personal revelation, which will never conflict yeah. with scriptures, ancient prophets, and the third one is modern prophets. So all of those things yeah. together gives us the word of God in a way that we can avoid being deceived, whether that's friends or colleagues or classmates, family members, yeah. internet, what, what would you say to someone who says, my personal revelation conflicts with what modern-day prophets have said or are saying, um, my personal um, belief structure maybe, um, but I think some, have, some go so far as to say I've received revelation that, that I'm supposed to do this, not what prophets have said. Is that what counsel would you give? Well, first of all, I would tend to believe that those people are sincere. Mm -hmm. I think there are some people that are looking for an out, looking for an excuse, sure. you know, to, to, to bag it all and leave because maybe it's hard to be a, a Christian, be a Latter-day Saint. But I, I really believe that there are people that they're sincerely struggling and they have these beliefs that they have become very attached to that don't necessarily agree with Scripture and with, with prophets, yeah. ancient prophets, modern prophets. Yeah. And, and I think it, when we have our hearts set on something, we can give ourselves answers to our prayers. Mm -hmm. The Spirit speaks to us in our minds and our hearts, to, mm -hmm. you know, Section 8, Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah. And that's thoughts and feelings. And I don't know about you, but I've had experiences in my life where I know, looking back, I know that I gave myself an answer because I wanted this answer, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and so I think that... Uh, Personal revelation is an important part, Elder Anderson is saying, of the Word of God, the rod of iron. But um, because we can deceive ourselves, because Satan can deceive us, mm -hmm. because sometimes the, um, the, the trends of the world can pre be presented in really persuasive ways, yeah. that our personal revelation ought to be guided by what prophets past and present have said and are saying. Yeah. And if, if we come up with something that is blatantly contrary to what they're saying, then maybe we need to go back and re-examine. Go back and, and you know dig a little deeper in our study. I don't think the answer when we are disagreeing is just to give up and throw everything away and yeah. throw up our hands and walk out the door. You and I both kind of have... Uh, answering tough questions yeah. on our minds because of, of having taught yeah. answering gospel, right. my gospel questions classes a number of semesters. and it, Just give, give yourself some time. Go back and, and go through the process of thinking things through and having an eternal perspective and using good divinely appointed sources and, 
and uh, and have an open mind to what the Lord might teach you. And yeah. uh, and sometimes patience is an important part of having faith. Yeah, I agree with that. So I I just was reminded as you were talking of a wonderful talk um, that we won't spend any time here talking about, but <clears throat> President Iring, Elder Iring, um, in 2016 gave a talk entitled Prophecy and Personal Revelation. And he goes through in that um, and really kind of describes and explains how, how you can go about knowing the difference between the two. Um, uh, I, I, think that, I think that's probably an important place to go. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that study would require that you have faith in prophets. And, and the whole issue is, do I believe what prophets are saying? Because I feel differently. I, I'm, con I'm contrary to what they are saying. And I think, um, I think holding on to the faith that you do have and saying, okay, well, I, I can believe in prophets and still have my own personal revelation, <clears throat> but, but maybe there's a check somewhere, right? That, that if my personal revelation is contrary to what modern-day prophets and scriptures are saying, well, maybe I, I should be a little slower at just diving headlong into whatever my personal revelation is inviting me to do. Uh, I just was reminding in there that um, uh, Elder Eyring quotes President uh, Brigham Young, and he says, What is the price of receiving revelation? Um, <clears throat> un <coughs> under the influence of the same spirit by which they were given to God's servants. That idea that you're receiving personal revelation from the same spirit who spoke to prophets and apostles to teach the whole church generally. It's not a different Godhead member that you're talking to. And so that your personal revelation might be different is possible um, because of your personal circumstance. Um, but it, it definitely should be connected to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost really ought to be the one who is confirming that. And maybe there ought to be more than one day of feeling good about that idea um, before we dive headlong into it and recognizing that it's the same spirit given revelation to the church leaders as well as revelation to you. And it would be in line because it's the same spirit probably more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, and this is probably not a good example because it's extreme and it's simplistic. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like today um, my... My feeling, my uh, impression today is that the law of gravity doesn't apply to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> right, not for me. I mean, it has before, and I suspect most of the time, mm -hmm. but for me. And yeah. so, you know, it's extreme, but we just need to be careful. We need to be guarded yeah. if, if we're getting something different. Yeah, and especially, maybe we'll just touch on this briefly here, especially in, in today's world where everybody's opinions are being viewed as truth. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've talked before about truth and just uh, that it is the, a source that comes from, or the source of truth is God, right. ultimately, right? And our opinions are now being viewed as truth in, in the world, and, and there are so many topics we could touch on um, where my experience, my perspective, because of my experience, the people I know and the family associations that I have maybe, that's my truth now. Yeah, and, and really, I don't know that that's, I don't think that's the way we ought to be speaking of that. That's a phrase that the world has picked up. Mm -hmm. But my experience is for sure true, right? For sure. The, the six blind men of Indostan, where President Uchtdorf talks about 
um, you know, six blind men who walk up to an elephant, right. and they all feel different parts of it. We've, I think we've talked about this just recently even, that, that just because they feel the trunk and feel like it's a snake doesn't mean it's a snake, right? You, right. You're just not seeing the whole picture. And, and so I think, again, the more we can let all three of those, which I, I love that you brought that up, that there are really three checks in that, that we can know the Word of God um, by personal revelation, Scripture, Ancient and modern day revelation through prophets and apostles. I think that's helpful. And, and I think another part of having faith in, in living prophets and seers and revelators is that we have faith in good, capable, inspired, yeah. imperfect right. men. Yeah. And so it can be harmful to put them on too high a pedestal. Yeah. And if they if they do make a mistake, if they stumble a little bit, and they won't in anything that really uh, matters to our eternal salvation. Yeah. They, they will not lead the church astray. Um, we're, why do we trust them if they're imperfect? Well, you know, Doctrine and Covenants teaches us that uh, because we'll be blessed. Right. Know? And, uh, and, and we're supposed to you know, listen to their words as if they came from God in all patience and faith. And, um, and so patience, and, and when you look at chapter 2, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but right. th th we see Peter and um, Paul both in maybe not their best day. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> Paul is, is up in uh, Antioch, and he's doing his ministry to the Gentiles, and, and Antioch is where, you know, they're first called Christians, and where people started to separate the Christians from the Jews, you know, and, and well, and, and he's, he's been teaching them, you don't need to live law of Moses. Right. And all of these restrictions between Jews and Gentiles no longer exist. Yeah, yeah. You, Jews and Gentiles can have dinner together, sure. which anciently was kind of socially intimate. It was mm -hmm. fellowship and brotherhood, yeah, and right. Jews weren't feeling that way before. Sure. But now <laughs> as Christians, we do. Well, um, Peter, uh, in verse 9, he, he refers to him as Kephas, or we usually say Cephas. Mm -hmm. um, he came up and he was eating with the Gentiles until some <laughs> Judaizers came up, and then he stopped eating with them. Oh. And in verse 14, um, Paul says, But when I saw that they walked not, up, not, walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, because in verse 13, even his missionary companion who knew better uh -huh. was starting to follow Peter's example. Uh -huh. And he, he says, when I saw them doing this, I said unto Peter, before them all, uh -huh. we are instructed now, including in Scripture, and I don't have the reference in the Doctrine and Covenants, that we should take you know, a, a brother aside yeah. and, and have a private conversation. Private one-on-one, -on -one, right? So maybe not Peter's greatest moment, and maybe this is not Paul, <laughs> but he's passionate, you know? Yeah. And he, he calls him out. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, reteaches the idea that we're not saved by the works of the law of Moses. Right. So could, could he have done it? Was he right? Yeah. yeah. Could he have done it a better way? Yeah. Was Peter wrong? Maybe, yeah. but Peter might be kind of in a no-win situation here because sure. he's got two really emotionally charged segments of his little church yeah. that he's trying to help both of them, right. and he can't help but offend one of them. You well, know. maybe I'll point just point to this idea here too. You know, we we believe in modern prophets and apostles who sit in council together 
And this is a this is an example of maybe a public counseling session going on, <laughs> where one apostle, even to the to the prophet, you know Peter being the the cornerstone that Christ built his church on, is saying, I, I think we're misunderstanding this, and the prophet recognizing, okay, yeah, you, you're probably right, as we as we are learning the new that we've received from God, uh, through Christ, are are we are we all exactly in line the second we learn it? No, it takes us some time. I, I think it, you know, it's it's ministering, right? It's it's our day of ministering where, um, where we're taught a principle and the and the brethren have received this new revelation. We need to go this route in that policy or that practice. Um, but is it is it perfectly lived just because we all were taught about it? No, it takes some time for us to figure out. I don't necessarily have to schedule a meeting with you in your house every week or every month to come in and sit down and talk to your family. I'm ministering can look different now. And and how many of us are uncomfortable with the new freedoms to mm -hmm. let it be different? And, and do we counsel each other? Do we talk with each other? How many times does a bishop get counseled from a state president to help his ward understand it different? And, and maybe even at the highest levels, is there some conversation ongoing about... Hey, maybe we're maybe we need to revisit this and and reestablish what this looks like, um, and for Peter to accept counsel um, from Paul, especially is, when it was maybe poorly given. Yeah, yeah. in a public setting, right? Yeah, I think it teaches us about uh, the the leadership of the church, anciently and in modern days, um, that they learn line upon line, just like we do. That though they are taught and given directly from the Lord. He allows them to work through and, and manage and, and figure out what best practices might look like. Um, I think this is actually a really interesting interaction, um, helping us understand the, the inner workings of the higher levels of the church. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, just one more thought on not being led astray. I'm going to read a quote that everybody who listens to this is going to go, duh. <laughs> But here it is from Elder Oaks, so maybe we shouldn't go duh too quickly. <laughs> he said, we live in a time of greatly expanded and disseminated information. I think it was in a different quote where he said, this is sometimes called the information age, but yeah. we might want to call it the disinformation right, yeah. age or misinformation <laughs> age. But he said, uh, continuing, but not all of this information is true. We need to be cautious as we seek truth and choose sources for that search. We should not consider secular prominence or authority as qualified sources for truth. Interrupting here, mm. sometimes what the world is, is speaking on so confidently and passionately, secular prominence or authority, we should not necessarily consider them as ultimate sources of ultimate mm. truth. Continuing, he says, we should be cautious about relying on information or advice offered by entertainment stars, prominent athletes, mm. or anonymous internet sources. Expertise in one field should not be taken as expertise on truth and other subjects. And so we all know yeah. that this is true and this yeah. is you know good information. But sometimes when we're in the middle of reading something that somebody has posted, or we hear something you know in the news or yeah. whatever from some anonymous source. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or even a good friend. You know, we can get. We can get caught up in, and our focus can kind of get narrow and, and we're seeing it the way that the world is framing it. Mm -hmm. And we just need to back off and have an eternal perspective yeah. and, and not get persuaded by 
information that may not be founded on a rock. Right. It may be founded on sand. Yeah, and for sure. 20 years from now, it's going to be a whole different thing that people are preaching. You know, it's interesting as, as we talk because I think about being a, a member of a saint back in the day, right? When, when Christ had just come, when the old law had been done away, when I had found Christ in the old law, right? When I, when I see Christ live his life, I see him crucified, I see his story played out in all of the ordinances that, that were being performed at the temple at the time, all of the acts of the laws of Moses, and I, I can see the, the new Christian Jewish members, even the new Christians being taught by Jewish members, the beauty of the old law. Mm -hmm. And see, and I think we do it when we study the Old mm -hmm. Testament. We, oh, wow, look at that connection to Christ. Um, and because they were so used to doing those acts, those, you know, those detailed acts, um, it became something that became very easy to talk about and to teach other people about. And other people picked up as, well, I should just do that. That seems nice. It connects me to Christ. It reminds me of Him. Um, but, but being now a false way to follow the Savior, um, Paul is teaching very clearly, you don't need that and it's not necessary for you to do that anymore because that law was fulfilled. In fact, he says, um, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Prior to Christ, the works of the law were something indicating that I needed Christ. After Christ has come, the works of the law are now just not necessary. I can go to the Savior and ask for forgiveness without going and offering some animal sacrifice because the animal sacrifice has already been ultimately given mm -hmm. in Christ. I don't need to use that as a precursor to get to Christ. I now have direct access. The veil of the temple was rent. Mm -hmm. I now can go beyond the, the, the curtains in the in the. Uh, in the temple to get directly to the Savior yeah. in lots of different ways. Yeah, and, and the Jewish Christians were not um, prohibited from continuing to live as Jews and be Christians. Yeah. It was just that the the Gentile converts didn't have to be burdened with that. And the Jews, the Jewish Christians didn't have to be burdened with it either. Yeah. But if they chose to keep living um, the laws that, you know, their fathers had lived for 1,500 years, that was okay. Yeah. Uh, and there, yeah. I, there's a group of them that do that for, yeah, and, for some time. And Paul speaks to that a little bit in 18. He says, For I, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If I believe that Christ suffered for all of my sins and gave me the capacity to just pray and ask for forgiveness and seek after Him and follow His example, if I believe that, I don't need the rest. But if I build the rest back into my worship of Him, I'm actually doing a wrong thing, right? I'm actually creating more of a... Uh, we, we effectively turn Christ into an antichrist by saying, here, we also need this and this and this. We've created our own Christ, our false God, mm. in Christ even. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I love it. Okay, keep going. What else? Is, where, where else should we... Let's go to chapter 5. Okay. The most uh, famous verses probably from Galatians are in chapter 5. Well, chapter 6 might have a competition there with that. But uh, he's, he's talking about, this is like a tug of war. Sure. Um, when we go to 
Um, verse 17. Okay. So Galatians 5, 17. For this, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. I, there's, there's goodness in me, and there's the fallen nature that's in me. Right. And there's this war going on, and sometimes... Sometimes I don't do the things that I really, really would like to do because I haven't arrived yet where I want to be. Right. So in this tug of war, there's, there's these two options. You can be led by the Spirit or you can be led by the flesh. Mm. And so here comes this list. Um, before I do that, though, just to make this point that the, the pull of the flesh is a real thing and... We need to recognize it without maybe beating ourselves up over it. It's Elder Bednar said, As sons and daughters of God, we have inherited divine capacities from Him. But we presently live in a fallen world. And this next quote, or part of his quote, I thought was interesting. The very elements out of which our bodies were created are by nature fallen and ever subject to the pull of sin, corruption, and death. Uh, Brigham Young said something similar where he said the, our, the fallen nature is riveted in our bones. Mm. Um, continuing with Elder Bednar, Consequently, the fall of Adam and its spiritual and temporal consequences affect us most directly through our physical bodies. Because a physical body is so central to the Father's plan of happiness and our spiritual development, Lucifer seeks to frustrate our progression by tempting us to use our bodies improperly. Mm. One of the ultimate ironies of eternity is that the adversary, who is miserable precisely because he has no physical body, entices us to share in his misery through the improper use of our bodies. Mm. The very tool he does not have is thus the primary target of his attempts to lure us to spiritual destruction. Mm. So, yeah. It, it, that's interesting. I think our body, it, it, ultimately the objective of earth is to become subject to God, that, ha, that we let God prevail, not our bodies, not our, not our physical carnal senses. Um, and, and so many times in the scriptures we are taught about that concept, right? Uh, Nephi talks about it after his father passes away in 2 Nephi 4, O wretched man that I am, right? And, mm -hmm. and he talks mm -hmm. about why do I succumb, why do I give in? Um, I, I, as you were reading that, I, I kept going back in my mind. And actually, Paul kind of references this idea um, in, in, the, in the end of uh, the verses that you read in, in chapter 4. And it, it harkens back to what he said in Romans chapter 7. Uh, for I know that in me, this is verse 18 in Romans 7, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. I, the things I know I want to do, I don't do those things. But the evil which I would not, things I don't want to do, that I do. Yeah. Right? Like that, that concept of living in a fallen world, and, and I love that idea of, of that fall being riveted to our bones. It is just how we, are, we come into the earth. Um, and, I, and I love that Paul taught it so clearly in Romans and now is touching on it again because ultimately it's a fall to worship something tangible, something I can see. It goes back to this, the, the lack of faith necessary. I, if there is no faith because I can do the thing and I can mm -hmm. see a God standing in front of me on my mantle. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
So, so take us in now, because I think he gives us some yeah. specific things, doesn't he? Yeah, and so again, I think that it's important we understand that there's that pull and it's real, and and uh, we're not bad because that pull is there. We're right. not evil because that that's just a part of being where we are right now. Yeah. And even wonderfully, Im impressively righteous people like Nephi and, and David Bednar right. uh, feel that pull. Yeah, and Brigham Young. Yeah, and 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 the. Uh, the, it's a higher law. We're being asked to live a higher law. Verse, yeah. verse 18, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Right. The Spirit can do it. It's, it's the re reduction of the, um, maybe I should say expansion of the For Strength of Youth pamphlet, right? That went from whole set of laws yeah. to write it in your hearts, learn the principles. Here's a whole set of principles. Do these instead. And if we're walking by the Spirit, we're not under the law also because... We're not under the consequences, right. the punishments of the yeah. law. None of the things that were written down before will even be done because I have zero desire to do them. Yeah. But they don't have to be written down anymore yeah. because I have a zero desire to do them if I'm following the right spirit. So I think what Paul does next is important for us because it can serve as a identifier uh -huh. for how we're doing. Yeah. How well we're doing or not, yeah. if, how much we're struggling or not, sure. and and uh, it's important to understand that the choices we make that, to walk under the flesh, um, they're going to be negative. So, you know, verse nineteen: the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And I'm going to I'm going to use a little bit different terminology okay. for some of these words. This is you know 400 year old English. Sure. We love the, the the King James version. It is the 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 Bible of the Restoration. It, it is the official scripture of the church. But there's no sin in going to modern translations sometimes to yeah. get a, a, a clarification on oh, word. That's what that word yeah, sure. could mean. Yeah. So it. here's a, a kind of a more modern list. Some of it's the same: immorality, gross impurity, mm. sexual irresponsibility idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, disputes, jealousy, bad temper, quarrels, disagreements, factions, sides, cliques, envyings, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and, and things like that. Mm. Now, I'm sure that to some degree or another, the, the average faithful Latter-day Saint has leanings at least towards some of those things. If, even if we're not engaged directly in all yeah. of those things, yeah. um, it, it sometimes is, you know, we can at least be Tempted. jealous yeah. or have yeah. a bad temper, right. yeah, sure. you know. And uh, the Institute Manual says that this list of sins falls into four general categories. I thought this was really insightful. Mm -hmm. First one is sexual sins. Mm -hmm. So fornication would be an example of that. Sins that come from the religious realm, mm -hmm. such as idolatry and witchcraft. Sins against other persons, all of the anger and quarrels and factions and sides and cliques and all of that yeah. um, is the third one. And the fourth one is sins associated with alcohol, huh. drunkenness and revelings. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, and I think we could expand beyond just alcohol sure. and any kind of substance that we use that hinders our ability to think clearly and yeah. feel the spirit and yeah. reduces our inhibitions. Maybe even gluttony, right? That, that oh, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Expands yeah. our... Yeah. You know, there's another word in here in the, in the translation in, the, in King James Version that I think is an interesting word and one that maybe we don't... Uh, I, think, I think we reduce it to 
um, uh, envy, but the word in verse 20 is emulations. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting word because I think, it, especially in, in pop culture and in uh, maybe even in our, our local areas, there are people that we envy, but there are also people that we emulate. Mm -hmm. And I think those are two different things. Uh, envy being something that I want what they have. I don't necessarily want to be them. I just want what they have. But emulate is I want to be them. I want to be just like them. And we see in social media, um, especially in the influencer realm, people who are just modeling again something created in a different sphere or a different realm and trying to do again the same thing someone else was successful at doing and trying to gain notoriety and, and wealth and prominence in society by literally just emulating somebody else's behavior. Now, I, I don't think that emulation is always bad. I think Christ asks us to emulate Him, right? As a teacher in the gospel, I emulate you as often as I can. Oh, I, I, look at, I look at other teachers and I think stealing good ideas and well, emulating is, is part of the gig, right? Best, my best ideas come from other people. <laughs> I know, <Yeah. laughs> I do. But, uh, so I don't think that's always a, a negative, but, but as a condition of the fall, and what does he say it as a work of the flesh? Sometimes, even in that, I emulate what a good teacher does because of the reaction it gets and the following that teacher gets. Sometimes I think even in the the right realms, we can emulate for the wrong reasons, um, and it's not really an envy, um, but it's a it's an emulation for worldly gain and worldly prominence. Yeah, yeah getting the recognition that. Yeah some great teacher gets, but I'm, I'm not doing it to be a great teacher. I'm right. doing it to get that recognition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, 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 and uh, paraphrasing here a little bit, but Howard W. Hunter, uh, at the end of the Gospel Teaching and Learning Handbook that we used to use in Seminary and Institute, talks about a very dynamic teacher and that we would all be dynamic teachers. Oh, that we could all be such, right? Yeah. But uh, then goes on to warn that we don't need followers. We don't need personal disciples. Um, and we should be pointing past ourselves to Christ always. Yeah. And so what are the things you emulate? What are the things you, you, you model after others? Are they things that point past you to, to the Savior or point past you to, to Christ in any way in the gospel? Or are they things that point right to you, point directly to you and, and build your own following or your own prominence? Yeah maybe an interesting way to look at that. I love that list, though. Yeah. In fact, emulations is sometimes translated as jealousy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> For me, at least, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, love the, I love the contrast to the, uh, the works of flesh that he gives in 19 to 21, and then in 22, he talks about the Spirit. Right. And I'd, I'd like to point out something that is kind of interesting and might be significant. In 19, it's the works plural, mm -hmm. of the flesh, and then there's that long list. In 22, but the fruit. Oh, singular. Yeah. Interesting. There are nine different things mentioned, huh. but they're all the fruit of the Spirit. Huh. And I, I you know, tried to dig into that a little bit, and, and kind of what, after my research makes sense to me, is it's like um, I, I went to the store and I bought some fruit. Right. What did you buy? Well, I bought apples and oranges and grapes. It's, it's and, all fruit. And some other fruit. Yeah. yeah. But it's fruit. Right. And, and so these, these are character traits of the Savior that the Spirit gives us. Mm. 
and and they're individual things, mm -hmm. but they're all a part of, of one whole mm -hmm. as we're trying to live a Christ-like life. Mm, that's cool. As we're trying to walk with the Spirit. And so uh, here's the list, and again, I'll, I'll use uh, maybe some more modern terms for the same reason as sure, before. Sure, uh, And some of them are the same, but maybe we want to talk about a, a couple of them. So the first one's love. Mm. I don't think that's <laughs> an accident. No. I don't think it's coincidence that he starts with love. Yeah. And the Greek word here is the agape, which is, as Latter-day Saints, we refer to it as the pure love of Christ. Sure. It's the highest level of love. Right. Um, and it, it, it flavors all the rest of these. Mm. Um, joy. The Spirit... Again, we can look at the works of the, the, the flesh and we can look at the fruit of the Spirit and we can say, how am I doing? Which of these apply to me the most strongly? Mm. Joy. The Spirit brings joy. The, the peace in a turbulent world um, with, with things that can happen culturally, things that can mm. happen to me individually that are hard. Mm -hmm. We can have this baseline of peace. Patience. Kindness. Mm. Goodness. Faith. In fact, usually, often, that is translated as faithfulness. Mm. Sometimes faith is viewed by some Christians as being a, this passive thing that we receive. Mm -hmm. It is a gift of the Spirit, mm -hmm. faith is. But we will see in verse 25 that it's something that we invite and we participate in. Yeah, but faithfulness mm. um, is a, a fruit of the Spirit. And a, a Christ-like person will, it's more active mm. to be faithful is, is more active than just how we normally think of faith. Mm. Gentleness and self-control. Mm. So, again, here's, a, here's our two checklists. Yeah. And, and, you know, what is it that... And, and we're in both of them. Yep. But, you know, if we go to the Savior and we're at, or go to Heavenly Father and ask in the name of the Savior, what can I work on? What should I work on now? Maybe we'll get some direction yeah. on what will be good for us. Um, Elder Simmons, Dennis E. Simmons of the 70, he said this, Paul described the fruit of the Spirit, that is, what the Spirit produces. The fruit of the Spirit, and he gives that list, and then he says, and against such there is no law, hmm. um, at the end of verse 23. In other words, the Spirit can, and this is the way he interprets that, against such there is no law. Elder Simmons says, in other words, the Spirit can penetrate anything, no law can be passed which will preclude the Spirit from doing His work with an obedient follower of Christ. Interesting. Yeah. I love the idea that the fruit of the Spirit, as Elder Simmons said, is a fruit of a tree. It's the fruit of a, of a planting that has grown and, and developed, right? That, yes, like you said, the Spirit can come to you and can be given to you as a gift, that you have faith, you have whatever those, those individual gifts are. But ultimately living, like Paul's describing here, either you live like man, or you live like Christ in the Spirit. Or we're kind of straddling. Right, right. <laughs> and I think, I, I love that you're pointing it out as a checklist of things to look at and see, you know, which, which side are you straddling a little heavier? Yeah. Are you straddling the other side or the, the, the godly side? And I think that... Uh, as I have read that, those verses 22 to 24 or 25, um, I think I see it as ultimately each of those things leads to the next or leads to others, right? That just like a tree grows and the stem turns into a, 
a branch and the branch turns into a leafed out branch with flowers on it that eventually turns into a, 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 fr a fruit, uh, to me, love leads me to feel joy and peace. I have more long-suffering. If I'm long-suffering, I, I feel joy and peace. They mm -hmm. go backwards, mm -hmm. right? They work mm -hmm. together. It's one part of a tree. It's all part of the same. Very holistic. Where, whereas I don't know, and probably it's true as well in the, in the fleshy things, that some will lead to the other, and be, but, but I don't know that they, by nature, lead to the other. I think by virtue of being fallen and being in a dark place, we are willing to do the other. But I don't know that witchcraft necessarily leads me to fornication. But I can point to every single one of the fruits of the Spirit as pointing me and leading to the others, all of the others, right? Mm -hmm. As I am more meek, I will be more temperate and more gentle and have more love and joy and, right? And, so I'll, I pick, and I'll be more faithful. Exactly, right? Yeah. I, I pick one of those things and it leads to all the others, which is why, as you said, the fruit of the Spirit is singular because one of them leads to all the other things. It grows as a tree. Whereas the fruits of the flesh are singular and stay singular. They don't lead to other they don't grow they don't there's no production mm -hmm. um, they might lead to other um, deformity they might lead to other uh, destruction but they don't lead to growth on mm -hmm. any level and and our role in this is not passive yeah it's it's a cooperation like 24 yeah they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts mm -hmm. that's it doesn't say the they that are Christ have had those things crucified. Right. It's done to us. Right. We, we are actively working on this. And then 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Yeah. And other translations have the idea of if, if we're living in the Spirit, then let's let our our footsteps reflect that, basically. Right. That, 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 no, no translation actually uses those words, but yeah. that's the meaning. Yeah, I love that. I, I think, um, I think you know, the, the idea that works don't save us um, uh, they do, and they don't. They, they aren't a thing that, that produces uh, worth that saves it's, me in the sufficient. Kingdom, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this idea that Paul teaches over and over and over again, uh, and we're going to get to in Ephesians as well, where, where we are taught about works very clearly and very directly, um, that if we're actually going to be Christ's, we, we should look like we're Christ's. Not because those actions are going to save me on any level, but they're going to show Christ that I actually am following Him. Yeah. It's the sign I'm showing Him that I want His help in the end. It's an outward sign of, of who we are and what we want to be. Right. And those actions are also, or those works, are also an invitation. Yeah. And an exercise in being transformed. Yeah. yeah. Man, I love that. I love the idea that we crucify the flesh. That you and I have to go in and stamp out the fleshy parts of our, of our souls. And it's a lifetime thing. Yeah, yeah. And it will be interesting, and, and I maybe conjecture here, but it will be interesting in the next life when the adversary is bound and we aren't tempted by him, uh, but we are yet to be perfected. Mm -hmm. um, to, to identify, you know, those, those feelings will, you know, will exist still in some form or fashion, but we'll have clarity to be able to stamp them out quickly and understand why they exist um, and be taught perfectly. And I think, I think so often in life, we think our objective is to overcome them all in this life. And I just don't think that's even possible, let alone what the plan is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think about how in the pre-existence, we didn't have a body. We couldn't have been taught 
about a, a passion or a, uh, a feeling uh, that, that carnally attached to us or physically attached to us. But post-life, I think very quickly we can be taught, okay, here's this feeling and here's why it exists, here's how it happens, here's how you work through that, here's you know, the, the chemical makeup or the whatever that's gonna need to get corrected. And so I think in this life to just be patient with your weaknesses, physical weaknesses, and, and even desires that maybe are lifelong, that don't go away, that we succumb to all the time, that we're patient with ourselves, that we understand that the atonement covers it all, and, uh, and though the goal is to change, repentance meaning change, right? Mm -hmm. Though the goal is to change, incremental change is probably more often the case than I've, I produced a sin and now I've stopped the sin. Right. I think the objective is to learn why I stopped the sin and really, really become a master of that thing yeah. rather than just not be sinful. Yeah, and I, I think patience is important patience with our weakness patience with our sins but at the same time be unsatisfied yeah yeah um, elder uh, maxwell what did he call it divine discontent right yeah, yeah. It, paul calls it warring with my members yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right like this part's not fight, not it's fighting this part and yeah, yeah i think yeah. that's a i think that's a significant uh, way to look at it but i love this juxtaposition between the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit, I think that's so important. And Elder Simmons, and then we can go on to, to chapter 6, sure. um, but he cites a, a number of scriptures on, on the other fruit of the Spirit, things that the Spirit does for us, with us, to us, okay. enlightens the mind, mm. leadeth to do good, to do justly and walk humbly, to judge righteously, mm. and again, as a checklist sure. to you know, examine ourselves yeah. and how we're doing. Fills the soul with joy, reveals the truth of all things. Mm -hmm. And by the way, lest we think that the Holy Ghost and His influence is all warm and fuzzy, mm -hmm. sometimes the truth is, I've done something bad, yeah. and the Spirit will help me recognize that yeah. by helping me feel bad. Right. Guilt is a, a gift of the Spirit. Yeah, that's good. Bears record of the Father and Son, knows all things, convinces, speaks and instills, teaches a man to pray, mm -hmm. gives assurances, fills with hope gives liberty mm. comforts so mm. there's there's a lot that uh, w when we are trying to walk in the spirit that we can have more and more of the fruit mm. that comes from living that way yeah yeah I, I appreciate that there are there are lists of gifts of the spirit kind of all over the scriptures and yeah different places where we learn about different ones some of my favorites are are things I don't have yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and but I'm grateful that we can we can be prayerful and thoughtful and develop those spiritual gifts yeah. all of them Ultimately, Christ developed all of them in his short life. Probably came with the proclivity for most of them. Yeah, um, a master. Right, already. But, but that you and I have not only the capacity, but the expectation to also develop all of them. Uh, makes me see people with gifts that I don't have and recognize and remember I'm supposed to have it. So I should probably start working on that. Yeah, right? yeah I love that. Love that. Well, take us into six. We've got uh, a few minutes here, uh, maybe a principle or two quickly. If uh, yeah. there's a couple things in Verses there. Verses seven through nine. Okay. We often call seven through nine the law of the harvest. Okay. And um, well, seven through eight maybe is the law of the harvest, and in verse nine is encouragement. But um, should we read those? Yeah, yeah. Would you like to read? I'd them? love to. Uh, verse seven in Galatians chapter six. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So he's using a common everyday, everybody knows this, if you plant corn, you'll get corn, you right. won't get watermelon. Right. So you, what you, you reap, that is what you'll sow. Yeah. And then he makes a spiritual application. We can either reap corruption because of bad choices, because of the works of the flesh, or we can sow to the Spirit and get the fruit of the Spirit, which leads us to life everlasting. Mm -hmm. um, Elder Quentin L. Cook tells a story about where he had, had met a, a young teenage man, and his goals were to go on a mission and get an education and marry in the temple and have a faithful, happy family, live happily ever after. And he, he, Elder Cook said he was pleased with those goals, but as he got to know the young man a little better, he realized that his current actions were not in agreement with what his goals were. Hmm. And he said, I'm convinced he was a good young man and was avoiding any serious transgressions, but he spent a lot of his time in things that did not prepare him hmm. spiritually or physically or emotionally for all of the challenges of going on a mission and being happily yeah. married and living happily ever after. Yeah. Instead, he spent more time, and he wasn't that school uh, serious about school or seminary. He went to church, but he hadn't read the Book of Mormon yet. Yeah. Uh, he was spending a large amount of his time on video games and social media. Mm. He thought, apparently, that showing up for his mission would be enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's easy to maybe feel like I'm going through the motions and that's what it's all about. Yeah. When really it's, it's a struggle. We, we uh, ought to train. I, 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 I'm just making this up as I go along mm. and so I'm going to say it and I might not like it when I'm done. Mm -hmm. But we should spiritually train like Olympic athletes train. Mm -hmm. This is our life. This is our eternal life. It's not a casual thing. It shouldn't be a casual thing if we want the most benefit from it. Yeah. We can be casual and we can be good and we can be okay yeah. and we'll get the we'll get the, the the harvest that comes from that, or we can be, you know, Olympic spiritual athletes and and, and get yeah. life everlasting. Yeah, that's really good. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I was looking as you were talking for a reference to this. Um, Elder Bednar. Um, was giving a face-to-face -face with young adults some years back, maybe as many as six or seven years back. Um, and I, just in, in glancing, I was unable to find the, the reference. My wife would be able to tell me exactly where it is. Um, but he, he is asked by a young person, uh, how can we show the Lord that we're ready for marriage? Or how can we, whatever the next thing is mm -hmm. in our life, right? And... Um, the, his response was actually really interesting. He said, "We, he and his wife were with, um, in a, in, a, in another assignment, uh, around a young woman who was a Relief Society president in her ward, yeah, who was unmarried and and uh, in a very similar place. But in conversing with her, um, they learned that she lived her life as if she already had everything that she wanted, as if she was already married." Um, in, in that case, that, that circumstance is the thing that they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so um, he went on and he explained that she went to bed earlier than she would go to bed as a single person. She got up earlier. She made breakfast. She didn't eat out all the time. Uh, she went to church. She had family home evenings. She did all the things she would do if she had the blessings that God wanted her to have. 
And she knew that God wanted to have those, but they had yet to come. And so she told the Bednars that she believed that God would someday give her the blessings she wanted because she was living her life in such a way that it was very easy to give her them. There was no changes necessary in her life. She was already reaping what she wanted to sow, right? She was already planting the, the, the spiritual fruit that she wanted to get out, out, and she was already getting it without a spouse. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something there, and maybe in connection to the story you told of the young man, that, that even if you have a goal that is good and righteous, if your actions preceding that goal are not good and righteous, the goal will not be accomplished. You know, it's, I, have a, I have a plan to fly to, uh, to Florida from Idaho. Well, I have, to go, I have to go southeast to do that. <laughs> and if I fly northwest, I will never get to Florida going, well, maybe eventually all the way around, right? But, but, but it will be a longer journey. But you could fly southwest. Right. <laughs> the airline, yeah. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot there that uh, is important to remember that, and I think the story, I think the story that you shared from Elder Bednar, you know, planting a seed is a, a, an act of hope yeah. and faith, and that's what she was doing. Yeah. She was acting with in faith, and she was acting with an inspired hope, uh, and, and to act, you know, as if. Right, and, and mercifully, God gives her some of the blessings that will come yeah. when the spouse is next to her doing those things, yeah. right? She, she's more well-rested. She's probably healthier because she eats better. She doesn't watch as much TV. I mean, all the blessings that come from doing good things right. are almost immediate um, when we implement them as part of our life. Yeah. Whereas I think too often we set them off in the future as, okay, when I have this, I'll go do that thing. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm 18, I'll go serve a mission, I'll read the Book of Mormon, and I'll gain a testimony. Well, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess. That's how I served my mission. I waited till I was 19, I went, I gained a testimony of the Book of Mormon in the MTC, um, and, and then went and served a mission. But I could have been so much more, and I could have had so many more blessings in my life if I'd have lined myself up earlier and planted some seeds and then nourished them as I went. And, and the same idea with preparation for marriage. Yeah. Living like you're, that story, living yeah. that way. Right. Now, in, in, in disclosure, because I, I know, uh, well, I expect that there will be some people who know me well. <laughs> I, I, my, one of my brothers said that he, he listens to this and he's heard mine. And so in full disclosure, I want to say, I am not always an Olympic athlete. Oh, right. oh yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I have moments, you know, where things are pretty good. and then <laughs> Neil, we, I should preface every single episode uh, like that with me on it. I, you know, it's interesting in, in this assignment, given this assignment as part of what I do for Seminary and Institute, um, I know that my institute boss listens to every single episode. I know that our regional director listens to every single episode. So, so Tim and Brendan, welcome, and it's good to have you. But, uh, you know, there's something about um, the foolishness of teaching yeah. that, uh, especially in teaching the gospel, that, that we can see it clearly to teach it, but living it is different. Yeah. And, uh, and for those that know us, Sorry. <laughs> but, we're trying. Uh, yeah, and that, I think, is verse 9. Yeah. He says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap yeah. if we faint not. It's not that we have to be there right now. It's just that we keep trying. We, we get up the next day and we keep trying. Yeah. 
And, you know, it can be uh, tiring. It can be uh, something that is wearisome to, to always wanting to be doing and trying to do the right thing, well-doing. But it, just keep trying, and in due season, that's what we'll have. That's what we'll reap. Yeah. And, uh, and that's my testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and you often end these with, what would you like to say <laughs> to the young adults? Take it, take it out. And so, and it seems like to me, I'm, uh, I'm saying the same thing almost every time you ask me that. But uh, I think what Galatians is saying is, make sure that we're holding on to the Word of God, the rod of iron, in those three aspects ancient prophets, modern prophets, mm-hmm. and, and then using those as a guideline for our personal revelation. Yeah. Walk in the Spirit. Try to you know, get out of the works of the flesh yeah. and, and, and to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And then we just keep trying that. Yeah. And, and if, if, we're, if we're exhibiting some discipline, then we keep <clears throat> planting that fruit and trying to grow that fruit of the Spirit and that's the harvest that we'll get. Yeah. And just keep trying. Just recognize that you've got this war inside of you, but, <clears throat> but you are good. At the, that's the flesh part of you. Right. <laughs> the spirit part of you, you're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. You were, you were sent here at this time for a reason, and you've got divine potential and capacity, and just keep trying. Yeah, it really is about becoming, right? It's yeah. be about becoming not who we are, not even who we're going to be tomorrow, but ultimately who we will be in the eternities. Um, I love verse 15, 16, maybe we'll just share in closing. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. It is not about your actions and the things you're doing, but a new creature. We're to become something different. And as many as walk according to this rule... Peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God, the, the Israel of God. I, oh, those I just, are great verses. I, yeah, I just love that. That it's about becoming a creature, a new creature, right? And uh, I love what you've pointed out to us today. I'm so grateful for your time and, and efforts. You know, for those of you out there, I, I kind of impose on all of my colleagues because uh, they all have full assignments, and then I, every once in a while, reach out and say, "Hey, will you prep a whole other lesson <laughs> for me?" and and let's sit down and chat. And they they are so gracious and willing to do that. And Brother Knight always prepares so well and and has such great insights. So, Brother, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. This is a, a learning, growing thing for me too. So I'm blessed by well, it. So. Thank you. We uh, we sure appreciate your insights and hope you'll come back and be on again. Yep. We have to finish the apostasy. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. In fact, a little shout out uh, during the Christmas break, um, there's about a week, two weeks maybe, where the church doesn't have a a whole lot of come follow me because we're kind of doing the Christmas uh, thing. And and so I've asked Brother Knight to to help me and help us understand the apostasy uh, period of time after the New Testament, before uh, the, the restoration. Um, and so we've already recorded one episode of that, and we've got at least one more to do, if not maybe two. And, and so we're, uh, we're excited to get that out to you. That'll come out the last latter part of the year. And maybe just in closing, one other thought. Uh, we'd love to have you get on to the Facebook page, the Come Follow Him Facebook group page, and uh, check in with us and get, uh, get connected to us there and, and be reaching out and talking and sharing your thoughts and insights. We'd love to learn from you as well. So, Brother Knight, thank you for being with us. We will uh, have you next time. Yep. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks, brother.
get to Boise Napa Institute are so grateful that so many of you out there uh, across the world are listening uh, from week to week. It's a humbling experience to uh, to have you out there listening and to think that anything that we say might have some value to others is, is wonderful. Uh, we think also that it's important that our voices aren't the only voices out there. So we've created a Facebook page called the Come Follow Him Podcast Group. That's the name, Come Follow Him Podcast Group. And we hope that this might be a place for our audience members to come together and share some thoughts and insights from week to week. We would love for that to be maybe even an institute class for some of you that are 18 to 30 years old. Each week, we're gonna post a question relevant to the discussion that we had on the podcast. And we'd love to have each of you respond to the question or really any aspect of the discussion that we had. Once you respond there, someone from our institute will reach out after the first time you respond and find out if you wanna take this as a class to receive some institute credit. All you have to do is three things. One is every week you'd listen to the podcast, which you're already doing, so good job. Uh, Second, log into the Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him podcast group. Find the question for the week, respond to that question, or again, make any comment you want based on the conversations we had, and you'd get credit for attending. We'll keep track of your comments, and if you've allowed us to register you for the online class, uh, we'd give you credit for each week you participate in the discussion. And then anyone that uh, comments more than 75% of the time on posts that we put out there, uh, you'll get institute credit towards the class. So hopefully that's a, a resource for some of you out there with institutes far flung from you. We want that to be a, 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 an option for you. Uh, really, we want everyone out there to participate in this discussion uh, online. So no matter where you live, we'd love to hear your insights into the Come Follow Him conversations that we're having. And if you'd also like to institute credit, we can help you get that too. Either way, log into the Facebook page. Simply go to the search field and type Come Follow Him Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you all just a little bit better as we all learn to come follow him.